welcome to Let Me Know How It Is, a pop culture podcast about TV, movies, comics, and all things geek. We're reacting to news coming out of San Diego Comic-Con, a.k.a. Comic-Con at Home, year two. I'm Zach Slater. I'm Frank Melman. This is Tommy Smitherine. And I'm Clifton. All right. So uh, we're just going to jump right in. What were some cool stuff you guys saw? A cool thing I saw was um, Samurai Rabbit, the, Us- the Usagi Chronicles. <laughs> yes. Okay. Netflix had uh, announced a long time ago that they're going to be doing something with um, Stan Sakai, in which he's going to bring his creation, uh, Usagi, to the uh, uh, have his own animated series. And I finally got a look mm-hmm. and an understanding of what that series is going to be. I enjoyed it a lot, and I'm looking forward to uh, them finally announcing a date on car- on Netflix. Yeah, I watched this whole panel as well. So I watched this one mm-hmm. too. Yep, so did I. <laughs> okay, good. All right, that's good. Little little different than what we were expecting, I think. Uh, yes. Um, yes. You know, yes. Uh, yeah, Tommy, you're right. I mean, we, we, we heard Uzagi Ojimbo was getting made at Netflix a couple years ago. Uh, we didn't quite know it was going to be this, which is essentially Uzagi Ojimbo Beyond. Yep, that's right. what I was going to yes. say. Yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly what it is. Yeah. But I like the take because they're, I guess it's them still paying homage without changing what Sakai made in the past, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from the sounds of the panels, it sounds like we will, like we'll be seeing the, the Usagi we know uh, through flashbacks throughout the show. So they'll always be like yes. revisiting stories. Uh, that that one did in this while this descendant is on different adventures. Yeah. Yeah. And they also mentioned a twist involving the character, but they weren't specific as to how it would be relevant. I mean, I, that's my understanding is what uh, Clifton just said, but they, they made it a little bit more vaguer than that. And it's, I thought, in its presentation on what they didn't want to reveal. Mm-hmm. But it, it, essentially, it's a yokai animation, or at least a. Right. A, 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 um, storytelling in which they deal with people of the past so i'm assuming it's going to be part of how they're going to bring the original character back at least have him communicate with his uh, descendant so to speak right right yeah like yokai is is ghosts and spirits in anime and in in japanese folklore and in a lot of yokai anime it's dealing with ghosts and spirits and stuff yeah so the setup for you guys listening if you haven't checked out the panel uh, it's Uzagi Ojimbo's world, the creation and all that stuff, but it takes place a thousand years in the future. Um, they weren't really clear about the a thousand years from what point. I assume that meant a thousand years from like 17th century. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where Uzagi takes place. Well, a thousand years from the lifetime of original Usagi, whenever that takes right. place. Right. That's that's what I was guessing too. So um so yeah so it's gonna follow a, a new character who who is named uh, Yuichi Yuichi Uzagi who's a descendant of of Miyamoto Uzagi which is the Stan Sakai creation. Um, mm-hmm. Notable that he was on the panel Stan Sakai which is really really cool and and yeah. um you know one of the things he pointed out was you know he signs off and approves everything regarding the show so like you know story designs everything so like everything's got his stamp of approval. Yeah. So that's neat. So he's on board and he's into it, it sounds like. So I, so that's always a good sign, I think. Yeah, I mean, he's very enthusiastic of everything they were doing. Like, he seemed to be, like, fascinated and thrilled by, like, even a lot of the new ideas they were coming up with. The stuff that was, like, you know, playing off of his ideas, but doing it differently. Like, a lot of the characters 
are all descendants of characters from his original comic, from his original works, but they're like slightly different versions of them. Right. But there's still similarities to their ancestors in in his in the stuff. And yeah, like he seemed to be super excited about all of the stuff they were doing. Yeah. And and there's a nice bit in the panel too where where um I think my favorite aspect, my favorite point of it is when Sakai is saying like how protective of Uzagi Ojimbo he is because he's like, he's like, I think this character is, is my legacy. And it's like, these books is what he's going to be remembered for. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's cool to, to hear that from him, hear how special the creation is to him, even though, I mean, we could all guess he's been writing him for, you know, going on 40 years now. Yep. <laughs> right 37 years 37, yeah. 37 years, years this years, book has been running yeah, yeah. 37 this character has been running i mean a lot of us know the character from uh appearances in teenage mutant ninja turtles because he has appeared in in multiple iterations of teenage mutant ninja turtles yep. for sure that was my introduction to the character was the 1987 yeah. appearance or the appearance in is was it 87 87 turtles yeah yeah 87 and, I even had the figure because they put out an action figure mm-hmm. in that line of toys. Mm-hmm. I had that yeah. one. Uh, definitely my introduction because it is like it's such a, a nice design that I think everybody just like latches on to, to that character just because of how cool it looks. Like yeah. how simple a design it is and like how captivating it is. Um, an interesting thing I thought about in this panel is they were talking to a lot of the voice actors in the panel and they're all younger. Like they're all, I mean, adults themselves, but but mm-hmm. not 40. They're not 37. They're not, they, they, they weren't quite aware of this character growing up. Some of them, their parents were fans of the comics or knew of the comics. Uh, but one of the actors mentioned that he had, uh, you know, come to America as a child. And when he did the casting, he, he just thought it looked cool. And then like, he got more into it and realized he had read the books in his school library when he was a kid. So I just thought it was cool that, that it does like, it's a book that's had a lot of influence on a lot of people for a long time. And it's, it's nice to finally see it hit the screen. Uh, That's why we were kind of surprised it's taking the form of like, uh, like Usagi beyond, like we said, but any, anything that expands into a bigger audience is well deserved. It's such a great uh, character and concept. Because there was no hint of that at any point in any of the trade releases or anything like that we had heard about the show. There was no mention of it being like a spinoff thing or like this whole this yeah. whole this new thing. Like we just thought they were doing the character. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing that we had known was it was it was CGI. It was going to be a CGI animated program, which I was initially a little disappointed with because I thought like. Like, how are they going to do his stuff in CG? Like, is it going to be like as breathtaking? Is it like, are they going to capture the atmosphere? Like that right. I that in my head, I think is better in 2D. But then I remembered that when he popped up in the 2012 Ninja Turtles, that was all CG and it looked fantastic. Yeah, that was season five. There was a three parter in that. Yeah, it was a three part episode in the last season. And it's it, like, it looks amazing. Like his stuff translated to to CGI like beautifully, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. Yeah, like I'm just uh, I'm just stoked to, to th- this is like my favorite kind of panel always because like animation's my favorite thing on earth, and right. so these kind of panels that that when they show designs and animatics and stuff like which the animatics like blew me away in some mm-hmm. places where I mean animatic is is like almost animation, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. in, in one of the tests that they were showing. 
I was like, wow, that looks that looks amazing. <laughs> right. And it, it did sound to me like they were saying there is going to be some hybrid animation in this. So like some segments, possibly the flashback segments to uh, the Usagi we know the, from the comics is going to be in 2D or a form of 2D. And then the, the future stuff is in 3D. That's what it sounded to me a little bit from the panel like they were saying. Right. No, they no, they, they said it's going to be a, a, a mix of 2D and 3D as far as yeah. what they're presenting yeah. and how they're going to do that storytelling. So, yeah, no, I'm excited about this. They said, you know, they're looking at, you know, it's all ages um, story, right? Mm. It's going to be, um, but, you know, at the same time, the characters are going to have depth and, and, you know, a journey right. that they're going on and stuff. And they're inspired a lot by like Hong Kong humor films. So like they were, they were noting like Jackie Chan right. for stuff, which is, you know, I think is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> I can't, I can't speak a whole lot about the people involved with it. I mean, they sounded all awesome and, and it sounds like the show's in good hands. The only person I know, I know of besides Stan Sakai is I know that Ben Jones is attached to it as the lead director. And he's, he's, you know, been a guy at Warner brothers forever. He was, you know, he worked on brave and the bull. Like he did a lot of the DC nation shorts when, when that block was going on on cartoon network. Right. Um, Yeah. So he was the only like, like name recognizable name for me. Um, but in the production crew, it looks awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one name that I think is worth noting is that the project was spearheaded by director James Wan. He's producing Mm it. It was, he, he was the one that apparently initiated production on it because he was a fan of, of Usagi Ojimbo comics growing up. And James Wan is director of, I mean, lots and lots of stuff directing and produced Saul. I mean, the Saw series, Aquaman. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's he's the one that initiated just because of his own love for the character. Got him to uh, decide to make this project, get it going off the ground. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, if you see the art um, throughout the panel, which they, they show a lot of stuff. It, I mean, it looks gorgeous. It looks absolutely beautiful. The only the only thing is it didn't it didn't build to a trailer. It built to some you know, test animation and stuff like that, which was, which is cool. That was the only stuff we'd seen in motion. Really. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have loved to have seen a trailer, but knowing Netflix, it's not far away, <laughs> Right. <laughs> you know, um, they'll drop it pretty close to, to whenever yeah. it drops. Uh, yeah. We'll get a trailer like two weeks before it all hits Netflix. Yeah, exactly. So no, that's a good one to start off with Tommy. Yeah. I love that one. I thought that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I was excited to see that on the panel lineup that we were going to be finally getting some information from that because it had been like announced several years ago and then kind of a, a blackout on on what it was going to be about and stuff. Yeah. 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 It was a nice surprise when it came on the list of uh, panels that came up for uh, San Diego. Yeah. Very nice. So uh, so what else is out there? What I mean, a lot, a lot of cool stuff came came out this time around. You know, I'll just throw one in. Cause we don't have to, we don't have to waste a lot of time on it or spend a lot of time on it, but it was, it was, it was this one I saw on Twitter when I was just kind of looking at like what came out of it. And so Mondo who's started in the last couple of years doing like action figures mm-hmm. and stuff, right? Yeah. Different collectibles. They're doing a Wolverine from X-Men yeah. animated series. <laughs> yeah. It, I saw that. It has an exclusive. <laughs> I saw that. It has like a sad Wolverine head and it's got like the picture mm-hmm. of Scott and Jean from the Morlocks episode where he's yes. laying in bed and yes. he's like longingly looking at the <laughs> and like yep. that just cracked me up. I, I'm like, yeah. that's awesome. That's so, so yeah. cool. 
And yeah, Frank was looking at this one. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The best part of this was the packaging is the fact that it's him laying in the bed as the box. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's that's a cardboard box, box yeah. bed. It yeah. just comes yeah. with him. So if you don't, if you basically, if you're one of those people that don't open your figures, you can just leave it in the box and he's, you know, sadly looking at the photo of the two of them longing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's mooning over him. Yeah. In the box forever. It's just like the meme. Yeah. It's yeah. the meme, yeah. basically. So I thought that was cool too. But yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> It's a very funny, you know, uh, some of the packaging and stuff, some of the stuff like that is really inventive, and that's a good one for that one. Yeah. But to me, what what hits me over the head with that is the, is the picture, I guess, from the cartoon. To, mm-hmm. it, to me, it, it, it the, to me the silent joke is you don't know who he's mooning over or if he's right, right, over yeah, both, right. You know, yeah, it's, <laughs> sure. not, it's not a picture of her; it's a picture of the two of them. Yeah, so you, <laughs> right? yeah. especially if you're you know if you're following the current stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's cool. I, yeah, right? I didn't think about that. Yeah, that's definitely yeah. right. Yeah, you, you don't know, know who he's so. mooning over. Oh right. my god, yeah, that's what makes it funny as heck. Yeah, I'm thinking they both died, but nope, he likes one of them or nope. both of them or something. <laughs> but yeah, the, the packaging was insane. But another thing that caught my eye was the different heads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could be uh, uh what's his name, Morph. As an alternate head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw that too. Yeah. yeah. That made me laugh. Yeah. Poor Morph. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. That commercial for season two where he came back with like the strung out like dark circles under his eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like maybe the most excited for anything I've ever been in my life at <laughs> yeah. that point. I was like, what? <laughs> now, this was a Mondo special edition, so it probably did sell out within about a minute of probably uh, going up on sale yes. and i think it did have a 200 dollars price tag for this figure Oof. and all of its accessories so yeah didn't stop anybody no sold out within like a minute what do you what do you think it's going to turn around for uh I, mean, I don't know it's hard to say it'll it'll turn around for uh, a bit a good bit for a while though yeah yeah initially it's gonna be high yep they do cool stuff though i'm a big fan of their yeah. stuff i like mondo yeah. a lot yeah, they're always good quality. They're always innovative in in the different like tie-in products they come up with now, because they started just as the posters and then went to LPs to soundtrack LPs and then figures, statues. They did an awesome Iron Giant statue with like with different accessories and stuff like probably yeah. six years ago. It's it's so good if you ever see it. Yeah, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. You know, and of course we're doing Comic Con stuff all at home and everything now. But I mean, the, the times that we've been out at San Diego. And you go to the booth that they have out there. I mean, there's always a line, always oh, yeah. a line, because there's always dropping like, like exclusive posters and stuff out, like you know, throughout the day. Yeah, and they have like different ones each day. Yeah, people literally live in front of their booth for the four days of San Diego. Like literally, mm-hmm. that's yeah. all they do is just sit there waiting for a drop. I've seen it happen. <laughs> yeah, mm. yeah. You were talking to a guy I remember one year where he was yeah. like, he was kind of. He was kind of like lamenting, like, I wish I could actually see like the rest of the con, but I'm just here <laughs> right. for four days yeah. in front of this. That's what he's done for years. So I could be first whenever like the new posters go on, and <laughs> go on sale. Like. But that's a lot of San Diego, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A yeah. Lot of it is, yeah. It's part, well, I mean, you know, think about Hall H. I mean, mm-hmm. think about yeah. the people that live there waiting for whatever trailer or whatever show is going to be on, too. But. Yeah, I mean that that's yeah. that is funny about like Hall H. I mean it fits about seventy five hundred people. I think it's mm-hmm. like a makeshift auditorium where they convert like the end of the convention center into like a giant auditorium. And uh, Zach and I have been four years. Frank went with us two years. 
Yep. In all of that time, Zach and I saw Hall H for like an hour one Saturday night. <laughs> like that's the yep. only time we've ever been in Hall H. Yeah. Was we were going like we had gone out to dinner and we were walking yeah. back by and it was like the end of the night. They're doing stuff for the the CWDC shows like all late into Saturday night and like the, the security guard just kind of was like, if you want to come in, like you get their seats. And so just, just to do it, just so we can (laughs) say we went to hall H we went in and it was cool. Like hall H is nice, man. Yeah. (laughs) Hall H has its own bathrooms. Yeah. Air conditioned, like nice. Yeah. Yeah. It was nice in there, but yeah, my wife and I only just walked by the line and we're like, Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the the thing, the thing for us too is like, like we were saying, like Clifton and I went, went four years and the last year we actually got in to see it for the first time was hall H because the, the, the lines were just insane. Like we would go, we would fly up like the day before the first day of the convention. And there was already people around the block Mm -hmm. sleeping that had been there. Yeah. Like, um, and, but the interesting thing is the year that we got in was the first year we had been there where a twilight movie was not coming out. <laughs> right. Right. So like we, we had, we had started going with like, I guess like the third twilight movie was the one. And I mean, and that was a big, a like one of the big reasons the lines were so long for yeah. hall h also so yeah. i mean we had kind of like the year we went we had kind of like this weird like cw thing where they they had like blocked out like hours of time where they were showing like we saw the constantine pilot there i remember mm-hmm. was in that yeah it was like a five hour panel yeah <laughs> that we saw the end of uh, where they had like everybody but yeah i mean that was i mean i mean for us that was unheard of like we just we just walked in like you said clifton yeah. like <laughs> just there's the door yeah. all right let's go in you know <laughs> all right okay so uh what else did you guys see and there's a couple of Star Trek things because I did watch the Paramount Plus panel that was for their animation and uh, okay. Lower Decks is coming back for season two. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I know. I know Tommy's a big fan as Frank. Do you mm-hmm. watch that one too? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I like it because of Tommy. It was great. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've not seen any of it yet, unfortunately, mm-hmm. but I'm totally sold on it. Like I was planning to check it out uh, I mean, from your guys' recommendation too, but then I saw a reveal on season two that just completely sold me. Mm. And it mm. is that they're, they're adding a Tamarian security officer on their <laughs> ship in season two. And if anybody remembers what the Tamarians are, they're the alien race from Star Trek, the next generation episode, Darmok, <laughs> who only talk in analogy. It's a classic. One of my favorite episodes of Star yes. Trek, the next generation yes. where Picard gets <laughs> stranded on this planet with one alien and the alien only like it sounds like he's speaking English, but they have no idea what he's talking about because mm. he only speaks in analogies. He only speaks in right. like historical figures that only he knows because they're from his alien history. <laughs> and and so like they just don't know what he means by it. And I love that episode. And so that's they've introduced a security officer on on Star Trek Lower Decks who only talks in in analogies. And that should be good. Yeah, it's going to be tons good. of fun, I think. Uh, I love the gag because a few years ago I had seen, I, I unfortunately can't remember who tweeted it. It was, it was somebody tweeted it where they said that they used to think the Darmok episode of Star Trek The Next Generation was ridiculous until they realized that they themselves, like 70% of what they say is pop culture references. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then, like that's basically all that those aliens do is talk in meme and talk in pop culture references. 
And they followed that uh, tweet up by typing out uh, Sideshow Bob surrounded by rakes. Right. <laughs> ah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yes. That's funny. Yeah. So basically, like, like, like you would need a translator that's essentially just somebody like, like a footnote person. Like, this is a yeah. reference to. Right. Yeah. Like, this refers to. Yeah. 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 That totally sold me. So I'm definitely going to try to catch up on season one real fast. So I'll be ready for season two. That's funny. Yeah. That show does a really, when Tom and I have talked about it before, not so much on the podcast, but just in person, the idea that that show, you know, it knows its history. It does its deep dives mm-hmm. all the time. <laughs> right. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean it's made it's made by fans, which you can tell. I think like it's made it's made lovingly by fans, which you can tell by the trailers and stuff like that. Which you know, I uh, like I, I thought it was a it was a weird departure because I was like there was a moment of of you know a couple years ago when when it it started. I was like, what are you doing, Star Trek? Like like you know like mm. you're Star Trek. Stop like like you stop being trying to be like Family Guy or, or whatever it is. But like but no <laughs> like I I started getting sold on it. And I'm like no like I like that that the idea is becoming elastic and you can do like a comedy show that's still you know that's still very much Star Trek. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, but the, another amazing thing about the show is it does the deep dives without alienating anyone who wants to see mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Like just because you're not um, invested in the lore of Star Trek, you can still find a show just as funny, and even more so after someone uh, shows you the joke and what the deep dives we're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they did. So they did. Um, Lower Deck season two had a trailer. They showed the trailer yeah. for Prodigy, right? Yeah, yeah. They did a whole panel and announcement for Prodigy, and and that's another mm-hmm. one where I wasn't. I didn't know anything about it uh, mm-hmm. before I watched this panel for it. Um, like I'm sold on it too. Uh, it's, it's an all ages Star Trek. Uh, Not that, not that the others necessarily weren't like many, much of the Star Trek stuff is fine for, for kids, but this one is aiming younger, but also trying to have stuff for adults and stuff too. And, and like, it looks really nice. I thought the production on it looked great. It's a CG animated show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. but but seems like a cool concept and this is the one for nickelodeon right mm-hmm. yeah yeah so it's what star trek space case is is that what it is kind of yeah the the <laughs> premise yeah, seems to of. be that a bunch of kids find a derelict like a bunch of alien kids uh find mm-hmm. a derelict starfleet vessel and yeah. are kind of stranded and trapped somewhere and then get it uh somewhat going and are greeted by hologram Catherine Janeway who's programmed on the Mm -hmm. ship so she's kind of their mentor is is Kate Mulgrew Mm. back voicing hologram vice admiral Janeway as as like Mm. the mentor to these kids to try to to get them out of the predicament they're in and train them up on the ship that they just found it's it's, uh, it sounds like a fun idea yeah yeah it's funny you said space cases though Frank is that that's the feeling I got watching the trailer was I was like oh it feels a little bit like which which was which was a, a show that Nickelodeon had done like God I don't know like ninety four ninety five yeah, it's got to be close to thirty years ago like, it was, yeah. like I really I really enjoyed it I really enjoyed it when it when it came out um you know I remember it was I, I think it was a Peter David show I think he was he was big on it he yeah. was like the one of the big creative creative forces behind it and you know like Jewel State was on it in the first season and stuff like right. that like it had um had the um the Black Ranger from power rangers who was my favorite like and so and so like i thought it was neat that he was on the show too and like doing something up but i really love that show and 
and yeah, it, it, it had, it had an echo of that to me where I'm like, Oh, that's neat. Like, you know, yeah. Whether or not it's intentional, I don't know, but right. <laughs> you know. And I and I said kids, but they're not all kid characters. There is there's one standout character that's like a giant rock monster okay. named Rock Talk. And for that one they decided they liked the juxtaposition because everyone would expect a giant rock monster to have like a gruff voice, like sound like Ben Grimm or something. Mm-hmm. And instead mm-hmm. that character is being voiced by an eight year old girl, like an actual eight year old girl <laughs> actress. <laughs> And right. so the, the the powers that be fought them a little bit on it. Be like, do you really need a kid to do it, or can we just get you know one of these very talented voice actors who can do a child voice? And mm. they really they really wanted it to be a kid, so they cast an eight year old young actress to do it. Nice. And I think That's it's good. an interesting choice. Yeah, uh, but other voice cast in the show is some standout stuff. D. Bradley Baker, of course, he's doing lots of the alien voices, uh, right. the man of many creature voices. Yeah. Um, we also get Kate Mulgrew as uh, returning to a Catherine Janeway of sorts character, a hologram version of her this time. We also get Ella Purnell, who was in um, uh, the Tim Burton movie from a few years ago. Uh, per- yeah. Miss Perrottine's yeah, House of for Peculiar Children. Yep. Yeah, from that. And Jason Mansukis is also in this one. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. He's doing a lot of voice work. Is something, is something restrained? Is <laughs> a restrained character? I doubt. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> okay. No, it looks like, I mean, what I've heard, it sounds fun. I, I didn't get a chance to see the trailer, but I'm, I'm, I'll check it out. I'm excited yeah. again. You know, it should be. Then it said, then I didn't like, uh, when I said space case, it just was the first thought, what the first thought was, but it doesn't sound bad. It just sounds like it's <laughs> like that. Yeah. No, no, it looks, it looks hopeful. It looks, uh, you know, like coming of age type, th- you yeah. know, like all, mm-hmm. like the stuff that you would expect like a Nickelodeon show to, to have that they, that they do so well forever mm. like it, fe- it feels like that it feels like a, a, you know again uh, it's interesting when i heard nickelodeon and star trek were kind of teaming up for something but it seems like it's a it's a it's a good marriage i think like right yeah i think it looks good now i did forget ella Purnell was most recently in army of the dead ah. on netflix yeah i think they also mentioned too during the panel that they wanted to make a uh, effort to say this is the first Star Trek show where it takes place from the aliens' perspective, so mm-hmm. you get to see the mm-hmm. Starfleet through different eyes and what they're going through and and how I guess the galaxy might perceive Starfleet as opposed to um, um, how Starfleet you know sees the um, galaxy. Right, right. Like these aren't Starfleet officers doing this stuff. They're just people yeah. that kind of yeah. stumbled into it. Yeah, I think it. I think it sounds fun. I just find I find it interesting which time period they're dealing with because in Star Trek nowadays you don't know what time period they're dealing with, whether it's right. um, Pike, Kirk, Picard, <laughs> Jane, it just, right. it's just right. yeah, or or Discovery. It's like four different time periods are going on in the Star Trek universe simultaneously, creating history. I guess. Yep. Yeah. Clifton, you had mentioned Sideshow Bob from that tweet, <laughs> right? Uh, I'm actually I'm intrigued for the first time in a long while by something the Simpsons has got going on for next season that they were talking about, like in their panel. Okay. Okay. Ooh, you heard their panel. I've been I I was a fanatical Simpsons fan for like the first nine years or so, but I've been away for for a while. Like, <laughs> right. I've been like, God, I've been away like 20 years at this wow. point. But, you know, I. When my interest wavered, I stuck around for like still the Treehouse of Horror episodes and stuff like that. And even that kind of like, like, you know, um, 
sort of dried up. But this is the first year they're they're doing Treehouse of Horror split into five tales instead of three. Okay, which I just thought was interesting, just sort of like from a formatting perspective, like, oh, like, how's that going to work? And they said they were going to have Maurice LaMarche come in as a guest voice to do basically Vincent Price. He's playing Vincent Price. (laughs) He's quite good at that. Which is just a funny callback to what we were talking about. um, You know, we were talking about Scooby-Doo a couple a couple episodes back. Um, So that was fun. But they're doing also like they have this season. They're doing like their first full musical episode. Right. Mm-hmm. Which there's been song numbers and, you know, going back forever. But this is like yeah. the first one that's going to be like like a Broadway kind of show. We're like back to back song, 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 song. And and the interesting casting note here is Kristen Bell is going to be Marge's singing voice. Right. That's not interesting. <laughs> right. Interesting at all. But, uh, yeah. so she's so she's quite a good singer yeah. then, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. She's a, yeah extremely so. Mm-hmm. And so, and they said that they're also doing like a two part, like crime epic. They said <laughs> that it's going to be called like a serious Flanders. And they said okay. that they're going to be homaging like a lot of the great, like, like, you know, streaming TV and, and stuff like that. And, and the show that they, uh, that they, that they, that they focused on that they, that they, you know, went out of their way to say like, we, we, like we, we are doing kind of a homage to Fargo here. Okay. Right. Okay. And so, which is a show like I've been trying to get around to watching for like four years now. And so, and Frank, you'll love this. And Timothy Oliphant is going to be like a guest voice for that episode. Okay. Yeah. I like some Tim Oliphant. So, so I thought like, I'm like, wow, this is like, I, I, I guess I'm watching Simpsons this season, whatever, whatever <laughs> season <laughs> 38 know, or whatever it is now. <laughs> but it's funny that the stuff that you mentioned, it just screams Disney's fingerprints. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just uh, like the all music episode screams of Hamilton, the uh, the callback to uh, a murder mystery screams of a baby, basically uh, a throwback to who shot Mr. Burns. Right. Mm-hmm. That's immediately what I thought too, Tommy. Yeah, yeah. And, and then the the the, um, the episode where they break it down to five segments is reminiscent of the episode they did with Springfield, where each character had their like bits or two bits of it. Right. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, but mm-hmm. it's yeah, it's I remember just that like, episode. Yeah. Yeah. It's to me, it's Disney screening. How can we bring people to uh, want to see the Simpsons more than, like they used to, to bring back people of uh, yeah. your audience? Because those be. 20 years weren't, it's working weren't for all me. bad. Yeah. Those 20 <laughs> years weren't all bad. It was just a way different tone in the show mm-hmm. running when the, when the show was introduced. Meaning, I didn't hate it, but I didn't think it was good as what it used to be, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I just I, it just screams Disney's trying to make you want to go to a theme park th- attraction of The Simpsons or something. I don't. But yeah, could be. Yeah, if they're doing an homage to like crime stuff or or shows along the lines, and it's it's Ned Flanders centered, centered. Why isn't Breaking Ned? Like I don't understand why it's <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. No, that'd be that'd be great. But yeah, 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 something along those lines because I think that's that writes itself. Right. But, oh, no, no, I mean that sounds cool. I mean, I you know, I'm a, I'm a huge Tim Oliphant Mark. I'll, I I probably end up seeing it. But I I've, I even I, I remember the long times where you were you'd give me the the shade or the side eye about the fact that I was still watching Simpsons because I watched Simpsons for a lot longer than you did, Zach. Yeah. But I haven't watched it in years. I just stopped altogether because it was kind of like, eh, remember the Simpsons were great, <laughs> and it hadn't been great for a really long time. The last Simpsons thing I watched was the thing that they did for Lynch uh, recently with the thing that they did for Loki. Oh, really? That little tie-in. Oh, that, oh, oh, anyone... On Disney Plus, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, well, that was the last thing. That was the first Simpsons thing I'd watched in forever. Other than, I think, when uh, they did the Rick and Morty opener, mm. which was pretty good. Yeah, that's okay. what I was going to say. Like, the last, the last thing I probably honestly saw was, like, when, when the um, Banksy did, like, the open the opener mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. You know, God, however long ago that was. I mean, that <laughs> right, was... Right, exactly. Was, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I hadn't seen that. I hadn't seen, you know... I, other than like a, I think a couch gag here and there, like I said, some of those openers mm-hmm. I have not watched The Simpsons in forever. So, oh wow, yeah, okay. So yeah, I would check it out. Yeah. So I have one. Okay. All right. So earlier in the week, it it had broke the story about some of the um the stuff that DC the comics side was doing. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. And I guess they had their horror their horror panel. I don't know if they had it yesterday, uh, Saturday, or if they had it on uh, Friday, but. Um, they're doing a couple books that sounded like they should be fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is James Tinney and Otto Schmidt are teaming up for a book called DC versus vampires. Okay. Which is basically the DC universe or, or DC proper trying to fight off a planet invasion, planetary invasion of vampires, whether that's, I don't know, a planet wide, I guess. I don't know if they're from outer space vampires, but <laughs> space vampires, just the cover alone sold me. And it's just, you know, Oliver Queen with two arrows and Batman with a stake trying to fight off a horde of vampires. Okay, <laughs> which I, I thought, have not heard about cool. this. That sounds cool. I like both yeah, of them. Yeah, and it's only tw- space I mean, vampires. Yeah, because right. they did. They did. <laughs> they did deceased, which was you know the kind of like their Marvel versus Marvel zombies. zombies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which was you know you know fun and creepy. You know, a lot of characters you thought might might have made it longer. You know, or might have survived, or might have you know been in for the long haul, got wiped out early. So I don't spoil. I don't want to spoil yeah. the book for you. It's it's fun, um, but there's that one which I think should be cool. And then the other one that that is kind of at least intriguing. I don't know exactly how it's what it's going to work or how it's going to be played. Is um, they're doing a book called Task Force Z. Okay. Yeah, okay. I heard about this too. Yeah. <laughs> which is an it's but it's an ongoing book. With Who's doing Hood it? Do you meeting. know. Uh, let me see. Uh, Matthew Rosenberg with art by Eddie Barrows, uh, Eber Ferreira. And Adriana Lucas. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I guess the pre- the premise is it says the basic idea behind Task Force S um, for Task Force Z is basically Suicide Squad, but with undead characters backing up Jason Todd, <laughs> like Jason Todd's the main <laughs> okay. character. Yeah, a character that's been dead, <laughs> right? And is yeah, no the longer dead leading it. Yeah, so yeah. he's yeah. leading yeah. undead people. Yes, yes, yes. A okay. not dead character leading undead people. Yes. So again, it's one of the things where I don't. It, Ghost I mean, it's, robot. It's ongoing. <laughs> yes, exactly. Ghost robot. It's an ongoing thing, but I don't know if that if it's set in the proper, like the DC universe proper, because some of the characters that are that are zombified. Mm-hmm. I'll give you a short list. It's let me see. Uh, Arkham Knight, Man Bat, Bane, Mister Bloom, mm-hmm. a character I don't know. They're called Sundowner. And from the cover, I guess I don't know if that's, it looks uh, that's Sundowner or not, but I guess that's Sundowner because it sort of looks like Katana, but I guess it's Sundowner. Okay. So yeah. So basically, it's Jason Todd, the dead leading the undead or zombified <laughs> characters, which could be again could be a lot of fun. Interesting. Yes. I'll check it out. I mean, yeah, like that. That's good for you know. I'll buy probably the first three issues. See, take it for a test drive. <laughs> see how it goes. Sure. Right. Yeah. 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 But yeah, it was, like I said, it just sounded like they were going to do some, you know, I always like when a character, when a, when a creator is excited about something or, you know, has a story. Yeah. Long, 12 issues, it's not a big deal. That's two trades. I could, I could do that. Right. right. 
Or one tray. Or the ongoing. Or one tray. Like you said, with the ongoing, I'll check out the ongoing and see what happens. I just don't know. So. No, it sounds good. I'm I'm happy somebody came to the table with some comic book stuff because I was like right. desperately searching <laughs> for some comic right. news, and it like there, there I there was not a lot of it at least at least from my from my vantage point of what was coming out this weekend. So I'm I'm mm-hmm. glad that there was something. Um, oh no, there was there was that there was um um Batman Fear State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, that's um, the next big thing. Yeah, and um X Men. I I watched mm-hmm. X Men and listened to half of Fear State, but X Men. Okay. Eh, I want to see what happens, and depending <laughs> on what your, how far you in in the current storyline, is how right. in depth I can talk about it. That's and right. that's how they set it up as. Yeah, they did a lot in the last one. What's what's the what's the thing coming up for it? They're they're doing like Inferno again or something. Yes, but in a different way. And they have <laughs> okay. the trial of Magneto. Yes, in a different way. Okay. okay. And, and and it sparked from an incident that they did in the Hellfire Gala. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dependent. I don't know. Did any of you hear what how that how that ended? No, I've not yet. No. I have but man, oh, like I, I am so excited for the Hellfire Gala to be traded. Like I like I don't know why I so want to <laughs> yeah. check this story out. Like this is one of the this is one of the things about X Men in the last few years that I'm just like, man, this sounds so cool, and it's like it just sounds so different. Yeah, it is okay. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. But what made but the only thing that it sparked me was because at one point I was a little um, what's the word for it? disappointed in how it was mm-hmm. progressing, but it. They explained as to how the stories are, and it made me look at it differently. And I never mm-hmm. really noticed it, but the early stories that I grew up on, they're really sad. <laughs> like, the X-Men <laughs> go from one extreme sad to the next, and they right. don't get any type of recognition. I mean, they go through some heartbreaking stuff that the Avengers even don't go through at some points. Um, mm-hmm. This is their way of aggrandizing who they are and pushing forward the concept of mutants. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like you people can't be this powerful and this sad all at the same time. You know, it's <laughs> it, at one point you're going to have, you know, it's just going to have to get better or at right. least push mm-hmm. past the people who are inhibiting them right. while still having to protect the world at the same time. And it makes okay. some grand pushes towards that in this current storyline. That's it. No, but that's it. That's right. I, I just okay. it just made me look at it from a different perspective because they had five of the current writers. I'm trying to get like 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 a, a reading on your excitement for it. So so what's are you, you're excited <laughs> to check can't. it out? Less excited because of like like what what's what's the deal? I'm excited because it's reaching its um end game okay. without abolishing what is created. Okay. And that's what I was waiting on. And it makes sense as to what Hickman was trying to accomplish. But I get it. It would, To me, I was looking at a story, not a, a a different outlook on how the characters are portrayed. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Like they can't yeah. be keep. You can't you can't tell me they're, they're the new wave of people. And they're just a ragtag ragtag team of individuals. Who never get it? It's like it's like a continuous story of the losers, if that makes any sense, you know. Yeah, and it's <laughs> well, been that yeah, way for I the mean, last I, what 30, 40 years. Well, 
every every instance to move that forward has been cut out cut at the knees i think right yes. i mean yes more yes. morrison's run was was a very big push forward for that stuff i remember where he was yeah you know tackling yeah. stuff were like you know mutants are going to be the majority in a couple of years and and stuff like that and it just like there was you know i think a lot of attempts to just like no 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 let's undo this and undo that and undo that yes we definitely yeah. i mean morrison does a lot to to lay a new foundation for that whole corner of the marvel universe and then like you said i mean like there's a lot i mean just like stuff like didn't isn't like stuff like something as simple as like jumbo carnation the the oh, designer yes. didn't that recently come mm-hmm. back into play because someone's wanting to play with that oh no to me the whole concept comes back into play just yeah. he actually made it a school he it, it just you know you have people who have other mutant powers other than their physical or flight you know or something super yeah. right great you know it, he just he opened it it seemed for a while the stuff that stuck out of his run were like his take on emma mm-hmm. um you know, which which stuck around, uh, you know, and her her having a relationship with Scott, which was you know, great, awesome stuff, and um and and um, who was the kid at the center of of Riot at Xavier's? Who was um Quentin? Choir. Quentin yeah, yeah. Quentin Choir. and like and and he had some staying power. I saw where like he would yeah. creep up after a couple of years, like people were using him, and he was right. popping up in, into yeah. some books and stuff like that. And the Stepford Cuckoos, oh yeah, yeah that too. But Quentin Choir, I think. Jason Aaron used Quentin Quire quite a bit, I believe. Okay. Yeah, he does. Drunk. He definitely does. But I, what I was going to say, Tommy, that I'm excited for Inferno is the fact that Hickman says, you know, a lot of it goes back to like the miniseries Houses of X or, or Powers of X all the way back there. I mean, if you read those and then, you know, read some of the stuff since then, it definitely is going to play into that. And the other idea is, um, you know, it's not going to be easy to root for everybody, which I think is always, yeah, no. you know, yeah. yeah. Especially yeah, with what they've set that. up, the, the idea that, you know, just because the the X Men or or you know the mutants that we know and love are are the ones in the, the marquee in the book doesn't mean they're right, which I no, think no, is he, always an interesting yeah. position to put to put those mm-hmm. characters in or any characters in really, just because it's it's a challenge, especially with what they've set up with Hickman set up in these books. The idea that yeah, there are people in charge, but that doesn't mean they know they know everything or they know you know that one other thing I love about it is the fact that um, even if what they've set up is supposed to be sort of a mutant utopia. They seem to be falling into the same stuff they always fall into. Mm-hmm. So, was there any other comic news that came out about uh, at San Diego this year? Um, they did. Um, what's his name that um writes Batman? I can't think of the guy's name. He's also doing the unauthorized history of the DC universe. Ridley. Oh, John Ridley. Ridley. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of stuff he's developing in the next few, in in the next few months. Concerning Batman that make ripples throughout the DC universe, he just didn't. He wasn't specific because he wasn't on board the panel, so he had a, like a, a quick right. five minute video, uh, being excited because I guess he said he was on location with his movie or with a movie for that matter. Mm-hmm. So um, things are coming up in Batman that are going to shake up. I'll tell you what's cool about that is is he doesn't just seem like he's doing the guest writer thing. Like it seems like he's he's there. You know, and he's and he's doing some stuff that's that's kind of shaping the universe now, which I think is neat. You know, like yeah. so, so often, you, you know, you get guys from Hollywood that kind of come on board for like a miniseries and that's it. You know, and his name just keeps coming up at DC, which which for me, as as a fan of his work, that excites me. I'm super excited to 
to check out whatever he's doing, you know? Give him more stuff, I say. Yeah. (laughs) Other than that, I don't know of any or any too many comic book information that they Mm. gave up. But one one that I saw, one panel that I saw through was Jellystone. Did anyone see that one? Okay. I did. I wasn't familiar with the show yet, but it is on HBO currently, I think. HBO Max currently. I was going to ask for something from left field. Okay, Tommy, perfect. Thank you. We're in sync. Okay, uh-huh. go. No, what do you no, got? No, so, okay. It's a new animation coming out of uh, for HBO Max in which okay. I don't know if you guys are familiar with C.H. Um, Greenblatt. Do you know that as a creator, cartoon creator? Mm-mm. He did Chowder, um, some of SpongeBob Ooh. SquarePants like in the early seasons. But to make okay. a long story short, um, HBO came to, or HBO came to him or Cartoon Network specifically, wanted him to do a new Hanna-Barbera cartoon in which in his art style, he has created all, like a large majority of the uh, Hanna-Barbera universe and put mm-hmm. them all together in a town called Jellystone. Okay. <laughs> and what's funny is and he did that because the way he grew up with Hanna-Barbera cartoons, it wasn't the original. He came up on Laugh Olympics. So he enjoyed uh, mm. seeing, yeah, different <laughs> characters blend with one another. Characters interact. Exactly. Yeah. But he said his characters this time are a little bit more contemporary, but they're staying true to the essence of the character, right? And it's built of seven main groups, even though it's like um, Tana Barbera here and now type of deal. It's going to be one group was which deals with Augie, da- the center is going to be Augie Daddy, and instead of his son, it's a daughter. Mm, okay. Right. Okay. It's a doggy, Augie, Augie, doggy, and doggy daddy. Yeah. Mm, okay. Augie, doggy, doggy, daddy, and Augie, doggy is a girl. Yes. Yes. Um, Yogi, Yogi, Cindy, and Boo Boo are doctors. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. Top Cat and his whole crew are in it. <gasps> Top Cat. But but oh, yeah, but he didn't. You say, got me. But he Tommy, say, you got me. But he, but he didn't say what they be doing. He just said they're in it. Don't yeah. care. Huckleberry. Don't care. Okay. I'm in. <laughs> Huckleberry Hound is the mayor. Okay. <laughs> okay. Snagglepuss? They, he didn't say anything about Snagglepuss yet. He okay. said, but Jabberjaw and Magilla Gorilla are going to be uh, like buddying up with one another, but Jabberjaw is going to be a girl and he's going to yeah. try and play it like I Love Lucy a bit. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, here's, but here's the funny, the funny one that's this one got me. We're going to have Quick Draw McGraw in it. <gasps> but the majority of the time, he's going to be El Cabong, but Batman like. <laughs> yeah. He's like a vigilante Holy of Jellystone. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. I ha- and then, but, but the same token, what's weird is when he got to talking more, he stated that he didn't want to just stop with the animal characters. Like, we'll see Space Ghost on there, we'll see Funky okay. Phantom on there. We'll see Johnny Quest, and he showed the Johnny Quest like bowling alley, like him and Haji running, and they're older. That's gonna be there. Oh my god! Like adults running a bowling alley. Yes, yes. You cannot see how much I'm smiling right now. Like- <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, it was so cool that he what he wanted to create. He wanted to make Jellystone all things Hanna Barbera. So you'll see if a character makes sense to be there. They're going to be there. Like, there's one episode in which they showed the clip at the end, and he had um, um Grape Ape, but he's a yeah. kaiju. He just comes out of the water, <laughs> oh, okay, out of nowhere, and just passes out in the town. 
wrecking everything and they have to figure out how they're going to deal with that or deal around them. But you have milk, uh, excuse me, grape ape with all this spit in the ground and whatever or saliva that's everywhere like rain. <laughs> so what you're telling me, what you're telling me is that in this town of Jellystone, where Huckleberry yes. Hound is the mayor, that yes. if uh, Dr. Quest creates time travel, uh, we can get the Flintstones and the Jetsons worked in also. Right. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes. Like, yes. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of voice talent involved in this too. Like the Yogi, the voice of Yogi is is Jeff Bergman. He's a does a lot of a lot of animation voices. Cindy is uh, Grace Helbig, who has been an actress uh, for a little while. Um, Jaina Snyder is Snagglepuss, so Snagglepuss is in it. Okay, yeah, he's in it. Tom Tom Lennon is Top Cat. Oh wow! Tom Lennon from you know nine one one and all of that stuff. I love Tom Lennon. Uh, Paul F. Tompkins is McGilla Gorilla. Okay. Uh, Ron Funches is Shagrug from the Hillbilly Bears. Yes. Okay. Yes. One thing funny is their Jabberjaw is is voiced yeah. by um, Nicole Thurman, and like one funny tidbit about that that she said is that she. Like in the show, Jabberjaw works for McGilla Gorilla, like in a in a store, like in a retail store. <laughs> and she didn't know any of these characters. And when she did like the original readings, she mis she would always pronounce it as Magilla. Like she didn't know yeah, it was Magilla. <laughs> and and they, yeah. they were like, We kept it. They're like all the recordings, Whoa. we just kept it because we just thought like it was this fun bit, like like Jabberjaw just never, like said it wrong and, and like this poor, you know, McGilla Gorilla just never corrected her. So like, <laughs> yeah, they just went with it with forever. It, yeah. 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 I like that. Yeah. That's good. Magilla. Yeah. Magilla. That's so awesome. Yeah. Sounds cool. Oh man. So it, it looks like it'll be fun. It's, it's premiere. I actually thought it was up already. It's premiere is July 29th. So it's going to be up mm -hmm. in, in a few days it's, and they just announced week? it's premiere. Yep. Yeah. Oh wow. Sorry. Next week from the from the time we're recording, when this episode drops, it'll be tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Jeez. Okay. Yeah, HBO Max, June 29th. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. Very nice. Okay. Perfect. All right. We got a little bit of time left to to get through some other ones. If you guys have anything else, uh, anybody check out the Blade Runner trailer. Oh, Black Lotus. I heard saw there was one. I didn't a chance to see it. How's it look? Okay. Yeah. You guys saw it? No, it looked nice. Um, I saw a piece of it. I didn't, comp I didn't mm -hmm. see it all to a fruition, but uh, the concept is nice because it takes place during the first uh, Blade Runner series or Blade Runner movie. Right. Yeah. Before I saw it, it looked nice. Yeah. I don't know much about it. I just like, you know, yeah. I mean, to me, a big part of it is the visuals and, and it looks to be like in like they're, they're doing that right. You know, it's a CG animated mm -hmm. uh, anime that's going to be a, on Adult Swim in the fall. And the city stuff like looks perfect, which is like when I think Blade Runner, weirdly, I mean, maybe maybe it's me, maybe maybe other people do it. But that's what I think about with Blade Runner first is just how it how it's going to look. Right. Um, so, of course, it look it's dark and moody and rainy and, you know, neon signs and advertisements everywhere. And, you know, uh, story wise, I don't know. Like, I, I have no idea, like what what is happening with it like the mm. trailer's kind of vague um like intentionally mm -hmm. so you know we'll be surprised i'm thinking you know yeah. i didn't see a panel for this or anything i just like you know i just saw it popped up and watched it i'm ready for anything blade runner okay like i'm always open to anything about it i didn't I haven't seen anything about this yet but no like i'll be excited for it 
I love 2049. Yeah, I still got to check that one out. I haven't seen that one yet. So good. So what else is out there? Frank, you got anything else? Um, trying to find one. There was another um, bit of news from Dark Horse for comics that I thought was pretty interesting. Mm. They're doing a, a mini series, I guess. Dark Horse is doing a mini for Gru the Wanderer meets Tarzan. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was yeah. didn't mean to stop the didn't huh. mean to stop the show, but it was one of those where I couldn't tell if it was it looked like it was new. Yeah, here we go. All I can get, but all I found for the information was just I saw the covers. Okay. And then they gave the creative teams and that was all that they said, but just it was a shot of like Tarzan in a tree looking very Tarzan like and then Gru being Sergio Aragones. Like Are they all drawn? <laughs> Is it all drawn by Sergio Aragones? Like a Sergio Aragones Tarzan? No, that's the that's the okay. thing. It's not like it's. <laughs> um, yeah, the upcoming comic miniseries Groom meets Tarzan. The panel features co-writer and co-artist Sergio Argonis, co-writer Mark Vanier, and co-artist Thomas Yates. I guess who does okay. like Prince Valiant and Conan. So I right. guess the, the all the Tarzan stuff is going to be played straight, right? Whereas Groom is going to be drawn like Groom. <laughs> And I, you know, I was saw that does for, sound pretty great. That does sound yeah, pretty, it pretty great. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. So the, the covers are out there. I don't know. If, I didn't get to see or hear the panel. So it's one of those things where I just saw the cover. I was like, I check that out. I, I have a soft. I mean, I like Tarzan stories, but I, I have a soft spot for crew as well. So, mm-hmm. but it was just one of those things. That you're, you're talking a little bit out from left field. That was like, ah, oh, I had right. no idea this was a thing or it could be a thing. But that sounds yeah. pretty fun. Yeah, that's way left field. And and shout out to Sergio Aragones, who was one of our highlights uh, the years we went to Comic-Con in San Diego. Yep. We would always, there was a quick draw panel where they would have cartoonists on. They would be three cartoonists and they'd put them up on stage with like uh, projectors. So you'd see that their what they were drawing in front of them would be projected on the wall behind them. And they would just like, you know, rattle off and give them topics, suggestions from the audience. It was kind of like an artist improv type thing. Yeah. And where they would just like quickly draw cartoons and that panel was a riot every time. And it was always uh, Sergio Aragones. It was always yep. hosted by Mark Evanier. It's always Sergio. Yeah. We ended up there <laughs> accidentally the first year because we wanted something in the room after it. And then it was like a destination every year after that. Yeah. It was so yeah. much fun. He's such a great artist. He's so funny. And Ser- Sergio Aragonis, like, it, yeah, it's like, whose line is it anyway? But with artists and Sergio yeah. Aragonis is like the Wayne Brady. Like he was always, <laughs> he was always, he was the constant on the panel every time. And yeah. he was always the best one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's so good. Yeah. Yeah. I thought you were kidding when you said that. I was like, what? <laughs> no. Is that real? Feels- no, it's, like- it's a thing. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait up. to see the covers for this. Oh, the covers that's, are great. That's what that's, that's, what, that's what sold me on it. I was like, oh yeah, I'd, I'd read that. <laughs> Clifton, did you do you have anything else? Uh, yeah, I mean, some of the other panels, like uh, a lot of the panels this time, were things like look looks back at things or just kind of like mm-hmm. looking at things in progress more so than than other years when it would be like what's coming, what's coming, what's coming. Uh, so a couple panels. I watched one for the Mysterious Benedict Society, which is mm. in the middle of its season on Disney Plus right now. I highly recommend it. I know Tommy's a big fan of the show too. Yep. Mm-hmm. Based on the children's book series by an author named is very apparently it's based on a very popular children's book series or young adult book series by an author named Trenton Lee Stewart. Uh, I was not familiar with the books until um, until the show came out. It stars Tony Hale from Veep in a double role where he plays two characters. Um, it's like a, a quirky young adult kind of adventure, spy, espionage sort of show. 
it looks like a Wes Anderson movie. Like the art direction is so good. <laughs> yeah, it does. Like the, the color yeah, palette does. is totally very, very, very Wes Anderson color palette and, and choices. Art direction's amazing in the show. And the cast is all good. The kids are good. Um, shout out to one in particular. And this is something uh, I learned something about this character or this actress, sorry, in the show today is there's one of the kids is like a, she's like a little Russian philosopher. She's the smallest of the kids. She's the youngest of the kids. She's like the, like the darkest thoughts of the kids. And, and like everything she says is, is like, it's just a fact as she sees it and she doesn't care what anybody thinks about it. Like if it's, Mm -hmm. if anybody doesn't like the fact she's saying that's their problem, not hers. And, 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 uh, I mean, there was, there's in the most recent episode there, they get part of a message that has something to do about a farm and they're like brainstorming, like what types of farms there are. And, and the one she suggests is organ farms. And this is a tiny, tiny little girl. And, and, and like, she speaks, she has a Russian accent and like the show is so quirky and the show is so uh, diverse to begin with. Like there's, there's a character Mm -hmm. that's supposed in the books as well from Zambia. So it's like multicultural, it's multi-ethnic casting, multi-ethnic writing. So I just assumed this character, like, you know, this character is supposed to be Russian and this was an American actress, like a young American actress who can do a good Russian accent, but no, she's actually a Russian actress that just speaks Mm. really good English. So now I want to find out if this character is supposed to be Russian in the books, because I can't imagine it any other way at this point. Uh, but she is phenomenal. She was a phenomenal talent they found from overseas. Mm-hmm. Uh, so definitely worth checking out for that. Cool. Uh, Kristen Shaw is also in the show. She plays mm-hmm. number two, the assistant to the the mysterious Benedict of the title. Okay. But it's very good. It's in the middle of its run on, on Disney Plus right now. It's excellent. Yeah, it looks good. I've seen commercials for it on TV and stuff. And that was another one. Like, didn't, didn't know it was happening. Just like... Mm-hmm you know, just dropped, you know, just one day. It's like this thing exists and it, you know, and it's on Disney plus. So yeah, no, it looks good. I want to check it out. Yeah. Anything else, Tommy Frank? Oh, no. As far as panels, I didn't get to watch a lot of them in completion. Like I saw the one with, um, and think of it, brave warriors. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think of the people in that pack. One was Alan Tudyk, um, Nyamba Namba. Who else? The two, um, Jamie Hector and I forget the last gentleman that was there, but he was in uh, Mayans MC. But no, it was just it was a it was a nice little panel in which they discussed how how dealing with fans and what they've done in their career. It was a little bit unconventional in the questioning, but I enjoyed it. I didn't take too many notes on what I saw. I just enjoyed it for the people that were there. Okay, yeah. I, the last thing I checked out was I, I checked out the Batman Long Halloween panel for mm. for the part two of the animated movie that's coming out um you know it'll it'll be out this week from from you know the day the when this episode drops it will it will have been out a day on digital and then it's going to come out on blu-ray um august uh august 10th and uh i was a little hesitant to watch this one because um you know the movie's not out yet and i want to check it out i did like the first part a lot i was pleasantly surprised with it um, they did change a couple of things here and there, but, uh, you know, I think, I think it still works. I think it's a, you know, it's a tough story to, to adapt to a medium like television. Cause it, it works so well as a comic, I think with the format mm-hmm. that, that you're getting there. Um, 
But really, I wanted to check this out was because, you know, typically at the end of the animated movie panel, because usually what would happen if this was if the convention was going on like normal, they would have screened this movie Friday night and done a panel afterward. And then Mm -hmm. in that in that panel would have revealed like their next slate of movies for 2022. And so mm-hmm. I was checking out the panel to see if there was any announcement for it, but they didn't, they didn't announce the new movies this year. Right. So I was um, a little disappointed about that. And, um, you know, and I think the panel just works a little bit better having seen the movie and hearing them talk about it versus like, you know, waiting a couple of days <laughs> to, to, you know, for it to drop and hear them not be able to get into details because it's, you know, people haven't seen it yet. So yeah. Right. Did you guys check it out at all? I did not. Okay. I've not seen part one. Is part one good? Yeah, part one is good. Yeah, I'm surprised. I was surprised by it. Yeah, I was a little nervous when I saw, you know, because the trailers and stuff you see, I'm like, I remember watching and being like, that's not in the book. Like, that's not there. (laughs) Like, 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 but yeah, I mean, it's, um, yeah, like I said, they do changes, but it works, I think. Um, But yeah, no announcements for the new ones. Um, You know, we do know that that Injustice is going to be the one following uh long halloween part two which that i think is going to be this fall but we don't have anything in in stock in in uh announced yet for 2022 right my predictions are this is not an announcement these are just just you know being a big fan of this stuff and and just sort of getting a sense of what they're gonna do is you know it would not surprise me if we get a dc versus mortal Kombat animated (laughs) soon Right, because yeah. they've done they've done now two of the Mortal Kombat animated movies and right. mm. and live action. Yeah, it's a property they want to push. So it wouldn't surprise me if we get that there. I think uh, you know they're they're pushing this new style of of movies with uh, you know started with Man of Tomorrow and JSA and Long Halloween all look at, look the same style. So the Superman movies are all kind of you know tough to figure out which what they're going to do next. But we just got two Batman movies, so I think the new one is going to be like like a Superman meets the justice league type story. I think that seems the next natural progression now Mm -hmm. is, is we'll get that. And, you know, and I think at this point, you know, I mean, unless they do dark victory for Batman, um, a sequel to long Halloween. I mean, I, I got it like red rain seems like the big Batman story left to do. Yeah. Right. I can see that. Um, unless they do zero year, Mm, you know which i you know part of me thinks that they are itching to do some of the snyder and capullo stuff but again not announced just just me um kind of just thinking about it um but yeah the 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 funny part for me nobody else is going to care about this but i'll say it anyway uh (laughs) is is the uh jensen ackles was on the panel who's voicing batman in this and the moderator (laughs) made 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 a joke about the fact he was in a black t-shirt (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> right and she's like well i see that you got the memo of of batman like i always have to be in black and then he goes like well i'm also wearing a watch that's called the batman so uh <laughs> you know there's that too i'm kind of doubling it up and me just being a watch guy like i know he's wearing a rolex gmt master 2 <laughs> <laughs> that's called the batman so that's the thing that they do like they they give nicknames to the color of the bezel and the bezel on this watch is black and blue on both sides and it's it's a nice watch it's a super super nice watch but uh yeah, but you, know. you do not have this watch right you do no, not no, no, no. Own this watch. i <laughs> wish i could afford this watch um maybe sell your house tough to say <laughs> possibly out of production okay. at this point 
Um, also, you know, uh, screw it. Well, I'll put a picture of the watch up uh, <laughs> in our notes section. If you guys want to check, if you guys want to check it out, he did change the strap on it. It usually comes on a metal bracelet, but he, right. he was on a, he was on a black strap, which I couldn't tell if it was fabric or rubber, but, um, <laughs> yeah, like I said, nobody cares about this stuff other than me, but I just like, uh, I just, you know, had a, a watch geek moment watching that, tra- <laughs> that panel. So, so yeah. All right, so we're going to start wrapping up. We're going to wrap up with uh, what panel uh, has us most excited coming out of San Diego Comic-Con. But first, if you like the show, you can check out all of our episodes on YouTube at LetMeKnowHowItIs.com. Just please, however you find us, don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave us a review. And finally, if you have any ideas for topics, send them our way on Twitter or in the comments. Our Twitter handle is our show's initials, L-M-K-H-I-I. All right. Tommy, you... kick this off so i'm gonna ask you to start off uh cool down so what's uh what are you most excited for um huh uh the things i'm most excited for is weird because it got the least amount of information and one was jordan peele's announcement of his next movie (laughs) (laughs) okay i just uh, the irony of that is i haven't seen us or get out i just i just (laughs) enjoy the concepts of them so he's just like that he's out there working. Yeah. And 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 he's trying to, uh, you know, see what what what, you know, make people crazy. But anyway, yeah. um, the only thing he announced is it's coming July 22nd next year with mm-hmm. Daniel Kaluuya, Kiki Palmer and Stephen Yu. OK, so, yeah. Right. So to me, that in itself is, is yeah, yeah. But just three names, you know, and then the other one was. Warner Brothers announcing they're going to make at least 10 HBO Max movies exclusive for HBO Max. Mm-hmm. And what's weird is people are speculating that Batgirl might be one of those movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I saw those so, rumors. Yeah, so if that's the case, I hope they're able to revisit some of their missteps and what they shouldn't create. And since they're right. pushing for new content, it makes me hopeful for other franchises that might see new light as a result of their need to create new content like all the other streaming stations so i was excited about that did you see the poster for the jordan peele one yeah yeah with the cloud with the yeah random like uh flag multicolored flag streaming out of it yeah okay yeah, i want yeah. i want i was just want to make sure you saw it yeah so it's it's called nope it's an amazing the, yeah. title. It's an amazing <laughs> title. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. I'm good. Nope. Yeah. You know? Yep. It makes. Yeah. It's it's so easy, but so good. Yeah. yeah. All in one go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's okay. interesting. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Who wants to go next? So I was kind of tagging, you know, tagging on to what Tommy was saying about the HBO Max stuff. Um, I was surprised that they've, they've, they, they, there was not much more buzz about the the Michael B. Jordan announcement about Val Zod. Mm. I forgot about that, that. You're right. Yeah. The idea that we're actually going to get that movie at HBO Max at some point, mm-hmm. um, which I think is great. I mean, I think that, that they should, you know, they should delve into that stuff. Um, I, I think they, that Marvel has sort of beat them to the punch in something that DC usually is like their bread and butter, which is the multiverse, even though yeah. you could argue that the CW stuff was the, was a place that they did a little earlier, but still, and cinematically, it looks like Marvel's going to beat them to the punch. Right. But um, I think HBO Max is a fine place for them to explore, like Batgirl or other stuff that they want to do to add, you know, much like the Disney Plus model, 
that they can add stuff and then, you know, fold it back into or explore it more or put characters side by side or whatever in the movies too. So, mm-hmm. right. But yeah, I'm excited for it. I think it's, it's a cool idea. Okay. Clifton, what about you? Uh, one, one of the panels I watched and I liked a lot was for uh, Dragon Prince. But ah. last year, where there was like a you know news smashing panel for Dragon Prince, where they announced after after production had gone dark in the show after season three, and they didn't know if they would be turning the lights back on at all. Uh, last year at San Diego, they announced they got renewed for seasons four, five, six, and seven. Right. Uh, so this year does not have that much news. This year, their, their right. news was basically like, "Yep, we're working on season four. We got the." Got the band back together and and we're still going strong on that. We they didn't have much to show. But for this panel, they took kind of like a step back from that and they didn't have all the news. They didn't have too much they could show yet. And just kind of like uh introduced a lot of people from their from their crew, from their production crew and their company, and uh spent a few minutes uh like in different segments on the panel with different departments uh, from the art department to uh, writing department to the staff writers and everything. And just kind of walked through like their production pipeline, which I found, you know, as just somebody big into following animation stuff, I found it all really interesting. I liked seeing all that stuff and seeing all the different people who work on the show. Cause I love the show. You know, we all love the show here and we recommend it all the time. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> First three seasons up on Netflix. Awesome. Okay. Um, yeah, I was going to say Uzagi, but then Tommy, uh, told me about Jellystone. So now I'm saying Jellystone, (laughs) um, which, uh, I'm ecstatic and the little, you know, eight year old boy in me is, uh, super excited for that to come out. So, um, won't have to wait long apparently. So, you know, uh, (laughs) ask us next week what we thought. So (laughs) awesome. Okay. No fun, fun comic con as always. Thank you to all the, the organizers and, you know, presenters putting this together for us to enjoy at home. Let us know what we forgot in the comments or on Twitter. What did you guys like from San Diego comic con? As always, we'll post links and examples to everything we talk about on let me know how it is.com. Please remember to follow us and like us on social media and we will see you guys next week. 